Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Temper Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic, you know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes! Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. Hold your horses, I'm here. It's the Nightcap, Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Welcome back. 803-0550 is the phone number for you to get involved. I want to talk some boxing. You heard me. I want to talk some boxing. I'm a boxing... I would like to consider myself a boxing aficionado, uh, given the state of the sport, especially for young people. I think that I know a lot. I think I watch the sport. As much as anybody I know, I'm watching every big fight. I am watching this past weekend, uh, Manny Pacquiao going up against, see, now I'm not going to sound like an aficionado because I have already forgot the name of the of the boxer that Pacquiao lost to. A bit of a newcomer, um, and I don't have it for you. How is that not right there when you Google Manny Pacquiao on Google? Really? I can't find the guy he just fought when I research it, when I when I search. Like, shouldn't that be the first thing up, like on those news items? Uh, your Dennis Yugas is the name of the fighter that Pacquiao just, quote-unquote, lost to. I had Pacquiao winning that fight. Many people had Pacquiao winning that fight. It was close, so it was not, you know, the worst decision in the world, but not great. Anyways, all a long buildup to what is coming tomorrow and what, the state of the sport is. It is becoming a sideshow, and it is so sad for me and any true boxing fans out there. If you're listening right now and you are one of those those fans that misses the big fight, you know, the getting together with your buddies and you're staying up till midnight because that's when the big fight is on and you're just waiting to find out who's going to win. And it's a night. It's a night out, or it's a night in, and it's an event. I mean, I've had a couple of those moments throughout my life, but 
It's never for like the real true championship bout, is it? Now, it happened with Mayweather Pacquiao when I was in college was was that and that was a true match. That was a true boxing match even though both were well past their primes. But the other time that that really happened for me was when it was Mayweather McGregor. Everyone's getting together for that and like we're hyped up and we probably convinced ourselves way too much that Conor McGregor actually had a chance to win that fight, but it gave you that same vibe. It gave you that same feeling. And that was really the first of the sideshows as I'll call them was Mayweather McGregor. And because it was the first and because we might have convinced ourselves it was possible that that fight could be competitive, I know I got together with buddies. I know I got together with friends to watch that fight, order pizza and wings. You're all drinking, having some fun. And it was fun. It was entertaining. But I think we all knew after the fact it wasn't real. But we saw the buildup. We saw the money that it made. And it set off a chain of events that hasn't been stopped since. In fact, it has grown. You have these YouTubers, the, the, the Paul brothers, Jake Paul and Logan Paul. And Mayweather has played into this as well. And the rise of the UFC. And the fact that UFC fighters do not get as much as boxers do in terms of dollars has caused them to look for other opportunities. All of this, the success of Mayweather McGregor and really the development of the sport and it's it's death really in the last 20 to 30 years has led to what we'll have tomorrow where it is no longer about the best of the best. It is no longer about the the art it is about popularity it is about yelling at each other in press conferences it is all about the sideshow and it has a, it has created an environment for novices to enter the world of boxing and become the biggest generators of dollars it has allowed them to sign deals with showtime to put their fights on Tomorrow night's bout between Jake Paul, a professional fighter with two years of experience and three fights on his resume, is going to go up against Tyron Woodley, a UFC fighter who, to my knowledge, has never fought in a professional boxing ring. And that fight is going to generate more money than probably any boxing match in the last couple of years. Or at least it will it'll be right next to Mayweather Paul, which was a five years retired championship fighter against a much bigger novice YouTuber. And no no disrespect to the Paul brothers' effort. I think they are incredibly smart. They have capitalized on a moment of weakness, maybe not a moment, an era, maybe just a certainty of what has happened to boxing. But why have we gotten here? Why are those fights still generating eyeballs? Why are they why are they getting eyeballs? Why are they generating all this money? To me, it gives me some hope. Even though I think tomorrow and what we had a couple of months ago with Mayweather Logan Paul, I think 
and really all these other ones. There's more than that. Chad Ochocinco is in the ring fighting. Nate Robinson, former NBA All-Star, is getting knocked out in the ring. Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom. A former NBAer. He's in the ring. He's the headliner for us for a certain event. What has happened? To me, while all of that is a black eye for the sport and it is a complete and utter embarrassment for us hardcore boxing fans, it actually does give me some hope. It gives me some hope that, hey, this sport can still generate interest, can still capture the imagination of that casual fan. Especially the McGregor-Mayweather fight did that. But all of them to some degree. You're curious. At, at the end of the day, why are you tuning in? You're, you have an opinion about two individuals. And you're tuning in to find out who's tougher. Who's going to outbox the other. Who's going to knock out the other. And to me, that shows that the problem with boxing has never been the sport. The sport has been one of the most popular in the world for over a hundred years. For a reason. As primitive as it is. And as barbaric as it is. The simple truth of the matter is. People will tune in to watch two people punch each other in the face. It is primitive. And I think... At some point in the future, as sports science continues to grow and as the NFL continues to have to wage war against these concussion lawsuits, I think more and more you'll see sports like boxing get phased out. But I do wonder about some type of resurgence between now and then because of that simple truth that I just mentioned. People will tune in to watch two other people punch each other in the face. But what has boxing's issue been? It is more so to me about the marketing. About creating these superstars that we care about. No one listening other than the truest hardcore boxing fan will know the names I'm about to mention. Terrence Crawford. Errol Spence Jr. Anthony Joshua. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, Canelo Alvarez. Those six guys, I think at most, maybe you've heard their names. You don't know anything about them. You don't care when they're fighting. You don't know when they're fighting. And why is that? It's because the sport, the promoters, the big corporations that are pumping money into it, they have no idea what they're doing. And really, it's all confusing. I know it. My brother, Lou, I know likes boxing. I know when I can, sh- can put in front of him a fight that I can show him, like, this is why you should care about these two guys. And here's what's on the line. And sometimes he'll get invested in it. Because I think deep down, my brother, Lou, and others want to care about these fights. But... How do you know what you're supposed to care about? Because really what you had for 25 years, and I blame Floyd Mayweather for a lot of this. 
He would never get in front of the toughest individual. You know, I think Pacquiao, it, 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 it set a tone for the sport for 20 years. Mayweather's refusal, but really both sides, but more so Mayweather's refusal to step in the ring with a prime Manny Pacquiao. The fight we all wanted for a decade. He dodged it. He refused to do it. For whatever reason, always finding excuses, he dodged them. And that is not what the nature of the sport is supposed to be. You're supposed to get in the ring with the best of the best because that is what is going to create interest. That is what is going to get people to buy pay-per-view. And that is going to generate the type of stardom that you need to create. Instead, because what you'll have instead is you'll have these guys at the top. And this is really what's happened because Terrence Crawford to to a degree and Errol Spence Anthony Joshua, all of these guys have taken notes. They're following that that Floyd Mayweather path. They're getting in the ring with guys that probably have no business being in there because they know their hardcore fans are going to tune in, they're going to watch, and they're at little to no risk of losing. So you're on to the next fight. Why risk it? You know, let me get in the ring with this guy who's, he's undefeated, but he's fought 13 times, and he's fought nobody you've ever heard of. Yeah, well, we'll give him a shot. No one's ever heard of him because the next guy's going to come through, and then he'll go away, and the next guy will come through, and then he'll go away forever. And when you have the same guys winning over and over and over and not fighting each other, well, where's my doubt? That's, that's always been my biggest problem at times with college football. There are so many games where the result is just not in doubt. And it's sports. Why am I tuning in? I want to find out who wins. If I know what's going to happen beforehand, what's the point? And when you're, you'll never know 100%, there's the saying, a puncher's chance. But when I'm 99% sure that one side is going to win over the other, no one's going to care. Nobody's going to care. And that combined with However many different organizations there are, the WBC, the the IBC, like there's 5,000 different boxing commissions that have titles out there that when you see these guys like Crawford and Spence and Joshua and Fury and Wilder, when you see them walk to the ring, they're, they're wearing like eight, eight belts. How am I supposed to know which one's valuable? How am I supposed to know which one I'm supposed to care about? This title's on the line? Well, which one's that? The WBA super welterweight title. What? Is that is that valuable? Do, do, the, they, do they care about that one? Or do they care more about the WBO title? Or do they care more about the WBA title? These are all real. The IBO. The ring title. Like uh, There's no organization. There's no governing body strong enough to push these guys to fight each other. The best of the best. And what's happened is, because that's happened for such a long period of time, the guys that were grandfathered into that system, that in part created that system, the Floyd Mayweathers, the Manny Pacquiao's, now that they're gone, and they're for the most part gone, Pacquiao's hanging around at 42, I thought he won that fight last weekend, I think he's still great, one of the best in the world, but he's not what he was. And Mayweather has just resigned to these sideshows. Now that they're gone, 
They've left nothing. They've left a vacuum. And that vacuum is being filled by people we've heard of. They don't necessarily have to be good. They are novices. In a sport where these guys, the best of the best in the world, are training for their entire lives. They start at a young age. They work at their craft for 20 years before they really reach a pinnacle where you're seeing them on television. The vacuum has not been replaced by those guys. It's been replaced by famous people who have trained to different degrees from anywhere from a month to two years. Novices. But they've filled the vacuum because there is enough interest in the sport that if you know who the people are, you're going to care about it a little bit. And that is an absolute devastating and disgusting place that the sport has reached. And it's because of, it's. I think, I don't know, who are you supposed to blame? You're supposed to blame the super promoters, right? The Bob Arums, the Floyd Mayweathers. Like These are the guys that have made it this way. And I don't know how it's going to change. Again, part of me has hope that if people just know the people that are in the ring, they'll be interested. But how do we jump from there to getting back to a point where the best in the world are the guys we care about? Because that makes me nervous about other sports. I don't think you're anywhere near this for probably... I don't know what else, what other sport really to compare it to, but I don't want to be in a world where, I don't want to live in a world where, especially in sports, the guys we're tuning in to watch are there because of their popularity and not because of their skill level. We watch because we want to watch these professional sports, especially. We want to watch because we want to watch the best in the world. And that's not what you're getting here. And that's. That's sad. It's sad for a sport that I grew up loving, that I still love, and one thing that I hate is I'll like I'll go on Twitter, and the worst feeling in the world is when you feel like you're the only one watching. And tomorrow, the same way I think this happened with Mayweather and Paul, I go on social media, it looks like everybody's watching. I follow a lot of boxing guys, so it probably affects that. But a lot of the casual fans that you would think of, like, John Buchagross is tweeting about the fight, and I don't know, whoever. My buddy, Andrew. Like, everybody. It's like, okay, they're tweeting about that. But then I've got, this past weekend, a 42-year-old Manny Pacquiao. Yes, old. But still, one of the best in the world. He's going up against a young up-and-comer who's undefeated. And, I mean, it might as well, it might as well be on... It might as well be in private. Nobody cares. Nobody knows it's happening. Even with a controversial result, no one mentioning it. And I want to get to a point where the reaction, the hype, the money, all of what you'll see tomorrow when YouTube sensation Jake Paul fights retired UFC fighter Tyron Woodley, when all of that gets incorporated into the guys that deserve it. The guys that 
have dedicated their lives to this and are better at it. So hopefully we get there one day. 803-0550 is the phone number. I promise I am not going to spend the entirety of the show on boxing. In fact, that's going to really be where we end it unless we get a couple of calls. And if anyone wants to keep the conversation going, feel free. And we'll take your calls. But I do want to transition uh, into some fantasy football. So that's that'll be up next. Uh, I got a couple of drafts coming up in the next week. I know you probably do as well. Just kind of a final visit on the Bills players. And we'll go round and round positionally to see who you should really be looking at, who you should be drafting. And also, a couple of other uh, spots around the league that I have opinions on. One on the Rams backfield um, and a couple of others when we return. And really just a way of thinking about drafts. Tier-based drafting, targeting certain age ranges. I want to get into some of those uh, when we return. So Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. This is WGR. I certainly think he's a top five player, but I think that that comes with the caveat that, you know, you're a top five player, you know, with Brian Dable. And I think that that's what's really important is he was able to see what Allen could do best, which was you want to spread those defenses out, force them to cover you, and then allow Allen, who's got that Cam Newton body, to slip out of the pocket and threaten you with the run. And that's been the beauty of their system ever since, really, they hit their stride last year. And as long as they can keep that going and keep that continuity together, you know, I think Allen physically, it just makes it impossible to ignore. I mean, he's absolutely a top five player. Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated this morning with Howard Simon. Check that on demand at WGR550.com and the Odyssey app. And we will talk some football in just a matter of moments here. First, a couple of calls on our previous subject. Um, Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley tomorrow. Another sad day. Not tomorrow, sorry. Sunday, by the way, to correct myself. Uh, Sunday is that fight. Um, it's a tough one for me, and I know it's a tough one for a lot of boxing fans. It's a tough subject, but um, it's kind of the only interesting subject we have maybe in the sport right now, at least to one that might appeal to, to the masses. Uh, but some fantasy football stuff coming up in just a second. 803-0550 is the phone number. First, let's go to Al in, Williams, in, Al in Williamsville. Al, you're on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hey, Joe, I love the show, by the way. Um, Thanks, man. I, I, really, I really love this topic as well. It strikes a chord with me. I'm a, I'm a boxing fan, and I've got three kids. I've got a daughter that's 20 years old and, and two boys, 18 and 15. And my daughter has never watched a sporting event in her life. But when these YouTubers are boxing, they're ordering these, these fights. And, and I'm making them pay for them, to be honest with you, because I won't. Um, it, it's disgusting. It. I've had my boys sit down on, and, and watch on YouTube, like um, the Gotti Ward. I mean, you know, those are fights. And, I mean, I'm an older guy. I grew up with the sport, you know, um, and, and I love it. It's the sweet science. And this is nothing, nothing like what I used to watch. And, I mean, you think about those Tyson days, you know, and that's before your time. I, I, I'm showing my age here, but it was must-see TV when he'd walk out into the ring and just, I mean, you know, Spinks, you know, yeah. It's before my time, but I've watched these fights on YouTube in full, and, like, I know you can easily tell the quality difference. Like, it's oh, not even close. my God. I mean, you think back to Herman Leonard. I mean, all of these fights. It, that, was, that was the golden age of boxing from my perspective. Um, you know, and I could even go back to, to the, the heavyweights with Ali and, and, and Frazier. I mean, you used to watch that on Channel 7, you know, on, mm. you know where, where you didn't have to pay for it. It was great. But, um, 
but anyway, um, I, I love the fact that you're, you're highlighting um, yep. what may be the death of the sport in my eyes. Um, it, it's, it's just become with social media, it's, it's, it's a popularity contest. And you don't have to earn the right to get to pay-per-view. You've yep. just got to get enough followers. Right, that's great way to to, to, to jump off there, um, Al. Thanks for the call, man. I I mean, there isn't a there isn't a false word you said. Everything in that is exactly what I'm feeling, and yeah, like I I there's some jealousy. Like sometimes you might hear me almost laugh at old sports. Like I very often criticize like goaltending in the NHL. Uh, pre, uh, pre-1990 or like football even long time ago when it's all running and none of the quarterbacks could even throw any passes past 25 yards. Um, all that. But boxing, it's just like you're om- you're jealous. If you're a young boxing fan like me, you're jealous because that, that feeling that I mentioned in the first segment about getting together with buddies for the big fight I wish I could have done that for Ali Frazier, all three of them, or the Rumble in the Jungle. Like I, that's one of that might be my favorite sporting event ever, and it happened 25 years before my life. All the Tyson fights, like you mentioned, yeah, must see. I did get to see Tyson at the end, which I know was not really the Tyson era. Like I watched him against Lennox Lewis. I remember staying up as a kid. Um, that's not real Tyson. It is it is Tyson, but it's not it's not real Tyson. And we just we haven't had a taste of that. We've had a real little taste. Like the heavyweight division nowadays has given you a little bit. Cause there's three guys. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, and Anthony Joshua. And I think they've graduated to a level where I think casual sports fans know who they are. At least they know their names, and they might know them enough to know when they're fighting. But we're not at a we're not at a jumping off point yet where it's must see and it's it's appointment television. It's an event for everybody. It's not there, and maybe it never will get there again. But it it, it is it is sad. It's sad. It's sad that the closest thing that we get to that, other than those couple of heavyweights is these novices that, I mean, you mentioned it. They have followings. Like, and that's where that's where the gate gets driven. It's how many followers do you have? Not how good are you? That's a sad reality. Yeah, man. If you've never watched Ali versus Foreman, I mean, even just the play-by-play, the atmosphere, everything about that is just, it's so good. It's so good. I Maybe you have to love boxing to love that fight, but I've watched that thing on YouTube in full probably five times over. A couple of documentaries about it. I love Ali Foreman. It's so good. And that is, I mean, you let al- you might have, no, you haven't come close, but I've mostly been talking about, like, the buildup and the event. In that, but the actual fight itself, the quality of it, that is just to me unmatched. Um, all right, we're gonna thanks for the call, Al, and uh, anybody else interested in the subject. I, if you want to hit me up on Twitter at Sneaky Joe Sports and keep the conversation going, feel free. Uh, I do want to talk some fantasy football though before we run out of time because 
This is the biggest fantasy draft weekend of the year. And I know a lot of you probably have drafts coming up. I have one on Tuesday and then another one next week, and that's pretty much it for me because I'm a psychopath that's had seven of my nine drafts already. But a couple of things that I've kind of picked up along the way that I want to throw everybody's way, more like philosophical approaches to their draft, man, switch to tier switch to tier-based drafting. Switch to tier-based drafting. I think it can be very easy to stare at a list of rankings and think one guy next to the other is close. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes, you know, if you look, if I look at the quarterback rankings right now, or if I look at really the running back rankings, maybe a better way to do this. If I look at the running back rankings, and I'm looking at hmm, Daryl Henderson at, no, is he good for this? How about, let's use Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders at RB14. Running back 14. He's the 14th running back off the board right now. That is one spot lower than Antonio Gibson. It is five spots higher than Josh Jacobs. You might look at that and think, well, Gibson and Sanders, back-to-back, right next to each other. There's not a lot of difference there. And you might think, well, Jacobs, five spots below Sanders. There's a big gap. When in reality, in my mind, and I think a lot of people would agree with this, The difference between Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs, even though there's five players in between, is smaller than the difference between Miles Sanders and Antonio Gibson. And that can kind of that can create this illusion in your mind of how to draft. And to me, you gotta go with a tier-based system because also it it makes it easier for you to recognize when to pick certain positions. If you are, if you're needing a running back and you don't have one yet, maybe you're in round three or four and you don't have a running back yet, and Antonio Gibson is still on the board and he's the last of your tier two running backs, well, you might think, all right, now I got to pick this guy because he's the last one of this group. Whereas if you don't have a running back in that third round and Gibson is gone, and it's Sanders and Edwards Hilaire and Carson and Jacobs, you might think, all right, well, or you should think, I don't have a running back yet, but I got seven guys that are all pretty close to the same. So even though I don't have one yet, and I do need to get to one, I got seven guys. I can wait around, and I'm going to get one or two of those seven still. That's the way you should be operating in your drafts. Don't just stare at a list. Don't just draft by the numbers. Draft by the tiers, and I promise you, you'll have a better team. The second thing to look at, and this might sound simple, but not a lot of people put it to action. Pay attention to who has what around you in the draft order. If you're in, I'll use another example, fifth round. If you're drafting a 5.9, if you're drafting with the ninth pick of the fifth round, which means you're going to be up again with the third pick of the sixth round. Fourth pick of the sixth round. If you want to draft TJ Hawkinson and you think he's worth the ninth pick of the fifth round, you might just pick him. But what if 
there's other factors that could cause you to pick him on the way back. What if teams 10, 11, and 12, the three teams that are going to pick twice before you are up again, what if team 10 just drafted Kyle Pitts in the previous round, and team 11 drafted Travis Kelsey in the first round, and team 12 drafted Darren Waller in the third? Well, the three teams that are going to pick the six picks before you're up again, they all have tight ends, which means there's little to no chance they're going to take TJ Hawkinson from you. Which means there's no point in taking TJ Hawkinson at pick nine of the fifth round because you have a 99% chance of getting him on the way back. And that is what's going to cause you to get a better wide receiver, a better running back than you'd, you'd have otherwise. And all you had to do was just look to your right. Hey, they've got tight ends. I don't. I'm good. It, again, sounds so simple, but I promise you that you actually have to think about it to do it. It doesn't come instinctually. You stare at your own team and pick. You stare, you stare at your own team, and you stare at a list of who's available. And sometimes that's it. You gotta pay attention. You gotta be on top of what the other teams have around you, especially when you're kind of on the way back of a round like that, or if you're close to a turn. If you're in the middle, you know, don't bother. If you're right smack dab in the middle, there's really no point to it. But if you're anywhere near either side of the turns, you have to operate that way. So I think those would be my two big uh, tips for you and your fantasy draft coming up this 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 weekend. Um, when we come back. I've got a final take before your draft on the Bills' backfield. Devin Singletary versus Zach Moss late in the game. Because of the training camp and preseason hype, Devin Singletary's ADP has jumped Zach Moss. And I will tell you why that is an enormous opportunity to pick Zach Moss. I'll tell you why when we come back. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. It helps, I think, just because you get to go against different people. Um, last year, obviously, we were going against each other for the entire time, and you can run certain plays, only can disguise certain plays so many times against the same people for over a couple of weeks. So going against different teams, different personnel, and things like that, I think it helps, obviously, you know, the coaches with their stuff and us as players. Bills running back Zach Moss with the media this week. We'll see how much he plays tomorrow and the other starters. That's right called Zach Moss starter because I still believe he is the starter. Not buying the preseason hype, not buying the training camp hype. The Bills told you last year who they think is a better fit for the offense with a large sample size in the regular season and they told you that that man is Zach Moss. But many do buy into preseason hype. Many do buy into training camp hype. And because of that, that has caused, in fantasy football, Devin Singletary's average draft position to jump Zach Moss's for the first time, really, all offseason. That has happened on the 18th hole of fantasy football season. To me, it's an opportunity. Even if you think 
Devin Singletary is actually going to be the 1A back in this backfield, and Moss will be 1B. Moss is more valuable. I got news for you. Even if Singletary earned the right to get a higher percentage of snaps and a higher volume of carries, Moss is still more valuable because you have to accept there will not be enough volume in this offense for any running back to be fantasy relevant based on volume alone. This is an offense that runs the football as little as anybody in the league, and this is a quarterback that throws the football to the running back on checkdowns at a lower percentage than any other starting quarterback in the league. And that equates to the running back in this offense getting the football in his hands less than any other backfield in the NFL. So, you have to find where the valuable volume will come from. Because in totality, there won't be enough. So you have to find the valuable volume. And it stinks to say, because I think Devin Singletary is the best running back in this draft class. He is the most in this draft, this backfield. He is the most efficient runner. He creates the most yards after contact. He creates the most forced tackles pretty much among anybody in the league. I've referenced that chart a lot, that since he entered the NFL, only Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Josh Jacobs have forced more tackles per carry. Singletary is good. He is efficient. But he does not get the valuable touches. He does not get the football in the pass game. Because honestly... He's not that good at it. We have enough sample size now to know that he has problems with drops, that Allen does not look to him when he's lined up wide, and the Bills don't run a lot of screen passes in comparison to other teams in the league. So, and again, checkdowns, Allen lowest rate in the league. So, he's not even good at it, and the Bills don't do it with their running backs. There's not going to be receptions enough targets enough receptions for any running back in this offense to be fantasy relevant to be startable week in and week out based on their target share in the passing game so now receptions are out that's one of the two valuable touches the second is goal line touches inside the 10 and most importantly inside the five yard line even when he was the main running back before Zach Moss got there two years ago when Frank Gore was his competition. Singletary had two carries inside the five-yard line all season, and they came on back-to-back plays. Josh Allen, yes, he is the Bills' goal line running back, but ask yourself this question. If somebody, if the Bills, and this is a big if, but to me it's the, mo- it's the most likely if of any of them. If the Bills decide, we want to, we want to reel it in. We want to dial it back with Josh Allen 
running the football around the goal line, where the field gets tighter, where bigger men are on the field. You usually have an extra linebacker versus an extra defensive back when you get in around the goal line. Sometimes you get an extra defensive lineman. If the Bills decide, hey, we don't need Allen to run the ball and take these unnecessary hits to make it through the regular season as the AFC East champs, as the one seed in the AFC, let's save it for the playoffs. We don't need this. We'll be fine. We'll use it once we get there. Because the alternative is, if Allen were to ever get hurt, it's devastating. So if the Bills do that, even... even by 30%. Where is that 30% going? If it's higher than that, that's all the more valuable. If it's 50% of goal line carries, go away from Josh Allen to a running back. Who's getting that 30 to 50%? And that's just an arbitrary number I just made up. Who's getting it, though? It's not Singletary. It will be Zach Moss. Look at his skill set. Look at the style of running back that he is. He is he is good. He is elusive. Second most elusive running back in his draft class, according to Pro Football Focus. But he bounces off tacklers, he is physical, and he is darn good at getting that extra one or two yards. It happened on Saturday against Chicago. I think it was it fourth down and three, or was it third down? I don't remember. But there's a play where the Bills needed the first. They turned around, they handed the ball off to Zach Moss. He got met in the backfield by a defensive lineman. But he turned his back, and he used the contact to propel him across the first down marker. He got met in the backfield for what should have been a loss on the play in a short yardage situation, and he used his physicality and his momentum to get forward and get the first down. That is the style of player, that is the type of player that the Bills would use around the goal line. And the only path, the only path in this offense to a running back being startable week in and week out is an increased opportunity to get touchdowns, to get rushing touchdowns. And that is for Zach Moss to get, not Devin Singletary. So if Moss goes from... No, none, I don't think either one of them are touching 1,000 yards rushing. But if Moss goes from four touchdowns rushing last year to eight or nine, even 10, that takes him to a level of fantasy value that makes him startable, makes him usable. And to me, that's the only way that happens for a Bills running back is if the touchdowns come because the receptions will not come and the high volume of rushing attempts will not come. But maybe, just maybe, the touchdowns will. And that is the name of the game for Zach Moss, not for Devin Singletary. Might sound like I hate Singletary, by the way. I don't. I admit readily that he is a better running back than Zach Moss is. I just He doesn't fit this offense. Moss is a better pass protector. And to me, as long as you're pretty good at everything else in this offense, that's all I need. That's all I need. That's going to do it for me on tonight's show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You will not have to wait long to hear me again. If you are really that dead set on uh, 
hearing more from me. Because tomorrow, Bills pregame starts at 8 a.m. with Bills game day, Jeremy White. This Bills Packers is at 1 o'clock. Me and Nate Geary will take things over at 10 with countdown to kickoff. So, everybody have a good Friday night and a good Saturday morning. Sit down with me, a cup of coffee. Listen to some Bills coverage tomorrow at 10 o'clock. So I'll talk to you in 14 hours. Until then, have a good night. This has been the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.